Welcome to the unspoken truths of digital leadership, living the leadership values. Our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the values, the dark side and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. Discover how they lead more effectively, how they make decisions, how they live their leadership values, and how they deal with the consequences that happen because of the decisions that they make. I am John Opoon, I will be your host of the show. Please note that there may be explicit language used during the interview. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership, Living the Leadership Values, where our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the dark side and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. Today, I have a very special guest with me. I have Dr. Benjamin Ritter, leadership coach. Welcome, Benjamin. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? Awesome. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I hope that I can find a few unspoken truths in my backstory that I can share. I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty much an open book, though. So, you, uh, but, <laughs> but you will get a lot of truth. I promise you that. That's awesome. I love it. I love open books where we could just dive deep then. <laughs> so for those that don't know who you are, how did you get into before doing what you do now as a leadership coach, before you became a doctor? So the story is rather long, uh, but the the quick version of it would be that I was fairly unhappy at my job. At the time, I was a healthcare executive. And this was a really good job. Like I could walk to work. (laughs) I had full autonomy. I had full job security. I was I had really good benefits and I was making a pretty good salary. And I, I probably if I stayed there, I would have went into a regional director role. I probably could have actually ended up as a CEO of a, of a hospital in a major system. But I wasn't managed in a way and I didn't have the right perceptions of work uh, to make me feel fulfilled at my job, to make me want to stay. So I actually pulled back from everyone. Uh, I I pulled back from the relationships that I had at work. uh, I pulled back from the work at work. And I would basically go in in each and every single day telling myself that I hate my job, telling myself why am I doing this, and basically poisoning my own mind, poisoning my own emotions. Luckily, I had a moment where I kind of slapped myself silly and and really asked myself directly, like, what am I doing? I, at the time, I was also operating the personal development field. I was a part-time coach. I, I was doing that for five years. Like, I had a lot of experience in the space, but I wasn't actually doing it for my own career. Uh, up to that point, I was pretty much reacting to the opportunities that were given to me in the professional space instead of creating my own. I didn't have a lot of accountability around my own levels of job satisfaction. I thought my organization was supposed to give me meaning. And so basically, I was being my own victim. Uh, so I asked myself, like, what are you doing? What do you really care about? What challenges do you want to face? What what are you passionate about when it comes to your professional career? And those answers led to professional development, coaching, uh, talent development, uh, entrepreneurship, but also entrepreneurship. And that led me to start crafting my job. I didn't I didn't quit immediately. I actually started trying to mold where I was to be best fit for myself. And that path was uh, it didn't it didn't work out like there was a lot of opportunity at my at my place at my my employer at the time but we got acquired and a lot of people I was working with ended up losing their jobs so the projects I was working on ended up stalling and halting so the the path of least resistance for myself at that time was to take my experience in entrepreneurship because I had some experience launching a coaching company pivot it align to my true passions and go become an, like as credible as possible as quick as possible as a as a as a thirty year old and so I went back to get my doctorate in organizational leadership, studied values alignment and launched a brand new business. And since then, it's just been, you know, it's just been uh, the moon, the skies, the stars, the limit, you know? That's awesome. And before you became a health professional, was that something you always wanted to do? Or was that something you just landed into? Yeah, the, the space that I was in of really disliking my work and hating my work was a product of becoming a health, uh, uh, healthcare, like a health uh, management associate. I never wanted to go into hospital administration. Uh, prior to that, I went to grad school to get my MBA in entrepreneurial management and my MPH in health policy. So my actual mission and vision was to go work and change the world through public health policy. 
Mm. And I actually was doing that. I was working for the Illinois Department of Public Health. And um, right when I graduated from graduate school, it was a lovely, it was a lovely recession in the US. And so a job offer I received, like a full-time job offer I received from them, to, an extension was canceled. Uh, and a job offer from the Centers of Disease Control, the CDC, was was also canceled. And then that happened two other times in the, in the span of two and a half years. So my path in healthcare policy ended up getting cut short and led to a position in hospital administration. Um, I never thought I'd be there. I never wanted to be there. And honestly, though, in the first two and a half, three years, I was always looking for a way out, but I actually ended up liking my job. I was in process improvement. I was creating direct uh, patient outcomes, like improving patient care, which is really fulfilling. Uh, but what ended up twisting that around again was being promoted to an executive level position where I was doing, you know, corporate report outs, capital management, forecasting, just a lot of stuff that didn't really relate to to my own personal values. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the the know-how at the time to take initiative, take responsibility and be more empowered to craft my job. Uh, so where I ended up, like I said, was very much a reaction to opportunities that were presented to me instead of being my own leader, being a self-leader and creating opportunities that I really, really wanted for myself and really knew that I wanted for myself. Um, coaching, coaching came up because way prior to that, I was just interested in developing who I was as an individual. Uh, I, I became kind of obsessed with the field for about four years, five, four or five years, just learning everything I could to become confident, to not, not be socially awkward, to be attractive, to, to have the business knowledge to actually create like, you know, side wealth and side hustles and such. And just randomly through a conversation with someone at a bar, the guy goes, you should meet my boss. And I ended up getting hired to run a nationwide uh, coaching program for a year. So I never even thought I'd be a coach professionally. And then that, that in itself built upon itself. And so a lot of these, like a lot of these serendipitous opportunities came from personal passions and then consistently showing up and actually, you know, saying yes to opportunities that came up uh, when, when that opportunity arose. So I know there's a lot of inter- interwoven threads right now, and I'm happy to pause <laughs> for a second and expand wherever you want. I was going to dig deep into more about you building the confidence. What was, how, why did you feel like you was lacking confidence? So there's something they don't tell you about this idea of find your purpose that it can be really debilitating. And when, when I was younger, I made the decision to dedicate my life to becoming a professional athlete. And, and when I say dedicate my life, I mean, it was the only thing I'd watch. Uh, I would eat like a tuna out of a can. I would work out religiously because I thought that if I, I can only improve my skills so much, I have to improve every aspect of myself. Cause that's what, that's what an athlete is. Uh, I didn't drink. I didn't go to parties. I limited my social interactions. Uh, if it wasn't related to this thing uh, that I cared about, it didn't matter to me. And so then when I, uh, I didn't, wasn't really re- seeing the results that I needed to see, right? I wasn't the professional athlete. And so I was receiving all of my confidence and all my validation for my performance from that sport. And that led to a pretty negative self-image. And I think entrepreneurs get this way. Everyone gets this way. Entrepreneurs, professionals get this way when they're focused on external validation based on their Mm -hmm. achievements and and have a definition of success, which means I'm accomplishing something outside of myself. And it's a very dangerous place to be in uh, because that led to uh, some physical and mental uh, consequences, right? I, I had issues with my with eating. I had issues with being obsessive around working out. I had issues with confidence and conversations with individuals, not being able to actually put myself out there and, and risk, you know, risk on quote quotation marks because I thought it was a risk. Uh, and then when I lost my purpose, when I ended up not achieving what I was actually working towards, in uh, a couple big moments, I had hip surgery on my the day before my twenty first birthday. Uh, I was kicked off a uh, k- kicked off a team that I'm pretty sure should have been on, but I was I was actually I went to London and played for there for six months and trained there and ended up having to make a decision to come back and finish my school or to stay there. A lot of moments of, of failure, you know. Again, quote mm-hmm. quote unquote failure. Uh, I lost my self identity. Right when I finally gave up that purpose, I lost who I actually knew, thought that I was. Right, I, I lost the thing that I was striving towards, and so I was left with a with no confidence and a blank slate. And building that confidence up required me to redefine what I perceived as success. It made me redefine what I perceived as purpose. And it made me redefine what I thought was the most important 
thing in life, which was really just putting myself first above all else. And then choosing to put on an explorer cap, I call like, you're just exploring each and every single day. So you're curious about everything. There's no failure, there's no success. It's just challenges and learning and, and new experiences. Uh, putting on that cap and then literally going out and doing everything and anything I could imagine. Like I, I worked every odd job you probably could come up with. I would I would go and sit in between people and start you know conversations with strangers. I would say yes to anything that I could say yes to just to give myself the experiences that I was limiting myself from. And that, that in itself, like being able that, that, that challenge built confidence, but what really built confidence was really defining what my values were, not what I wanted to achieve, but what my values were. And so what I truly cared about, because then if I knew what I truly cared about, no matter what I decided to apply myself to, it didn't matter if I succeeded or not. It just mattered that I was present in the moment, living true to who I actually was at my core. And that led to, to true confidence. What was your definition of success? Mm. I just tie it back to your values. Uh, success is being aware but of- Before, before, before you know, what you know now, ah, previously, okay. <laughs> what was your definition of success? I was just curious. I'm becoming a professional athlete. You know, and then after that, what is it, you know, for, for a lot of men, it's getting the, the hot girl, getting the date. Uh, it was never academics, which is funny because I think I have way too many letters after my name now. I was, <laughs> I was kind of a class clown. So my parents find it funny that I ended up going to so much school. I, it was never getting the job. It was, it was, it was really, for me personally, it was, did they laugh at me when I, when I talked to them? Like, do I have friends? Uh, was I invited to the party? Mm. Uh, you know, did I make that team? And even even now, but so after that, after I was able to redefine that, even in my entrepreneurial pursuits, it's not did I get the client or did I make the sale, or how how much money did I make this year? It's you know, it's am I aligned? And I think it's it's such a different perspective uh, that a lot of people have uh, you know that aren't taught, and it and it's. If, if we all just had a different definition of success and different definition of failure, because like failure, right? Because then, then failure would be not achieving that level of success instead of failure is, is an experience that didn't meet expectations, but is progress. Okay, that, that, that sounds okay. Yeah. Uh, I think we could, honestly, those two concepts could change the world. I don't know how you feel about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. If I'd, if I'd known what I know now, obviously, about those definitions, everything would be completely different. But obviously, you know, we learn on our own journey and in our own time, in our own experiences. So I'm just grateful I know that now. <laughs> yeah, now I'm just wondering what I'm going to learn this year. You know, it's just because you're going to keep learning. I would say patience. <laughs> For me, personally. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> but patience is Patience is real. Patience is important. And I think more so than ever before in this age of let's look at everyone's life. Let's see how many likes they've gotten. Let's see how many comments. I wish that social media platforms did not uh, have an algorithm that promoted popularity. Mm. That it just promoted content. That and, and popularity, likes and comments, all that stuff can be gamed, doesn't actually mean insight insightful you know or it's so anyway that's kind of a side topic but no uh, let's, i think let's, it directly relates to that topic actually this would be a yeah. fascinating discussion i think did you watch the social dilemma i did yeah i did what what's your and, opinion what's your take on that well what's so funny is i was lucky enough to work on a contract project about a year before that and it was to create a high school curriculum on the topic of decision making and one of the courses was on social media. And I actually watched a lot of those episodes of Tristan, Tristan Harris, right? Uh, so I watched a lot of his interviews prior to The Social Dilemma, which was, so I was, I was thinking about it for a while, and I'm really happy that it became popular. Anytime, and I love this quote, it's like, anytime something is free, you are the product. And so when we look at social media, we have to at least accept the fact that everything that we're seeing is meant to trigger us to do something and is not within our best interest. It is within the interest of the social media platform or whoever is giving them money. 
the same thing can be said for coaches that that buy Facebook ads. Or you know what I mean? And it's like they're they're targeting you based on your specific keywords, behaviors, searches, what you've said out loud, and it needs to be taken with a grain of salt. How do you how how do you feel about that film? Well, I I always knew how social media worked in a way that it's designed or engineered to manipulate your decision making skills, what you consume, how you consume, how you behave. It's all like a game for them to gamify and get you involved. Right, it's the same thing as how you got addicted to Angry Birds, how you got addicted to Candy Crush. Those were signs of engineers knowing what to, how to program and manipulate your decision making, and obviously spending money in game with Candy Crush. Right, that was the first game that would probably show in signs to everyone you can make a massive killing or massive money in that market by doing paid in-game purchases. And so you see it now in every game you have right right now, right online, on the consoles, everything. You got skins, you got avatars, you've got um, you know character designs, skills, whatever, anything. You could just get, you could just literally monetize anything you want in game. Should you be able to trigger, you know, the the customer behavior or their excitement? So it's a fascinating place for that. I'm just curious what you thought of that. Tying this back in with our last, with our last topic, everything that we tend to strive toward, it's, it's a, it's triggered a buying switch in our mind. And okay. So we can tie back our desire to be liked or you get validated on something or to purchase something based on an ad from a social media platform. But can you tie back your desire to get this job title or can you tie back this desire to create this business or to, to be connected to this person or be into this social circle? Uh, I think we can do that. Like we can create, we can find those triggers within us and in a, in a employee at an employer, when it comes to leading other people, can you trigger those buying? Uh, can you can you trigger those buying switches in your employees as well? And I think like so, we can use this for good. We got you know, let's, let's yeah, absolutely. It's not all bad. This is yeah. just a, a insightful conversation. I just felt like you had the, um, a good insight in this area, which you did. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how you feel, but I've I've actually. I've taken myself pretty much off of Facebook. It just like shares things. Mm-hmm. Instagram, I have a, a fair a fair presence, but that was from a while ago that I built. So now it's I just post randomly. I don't actually scroll or spend time on it. The only platform that I invest any t- sort of time in is LinkedIn. And at the mm-hmm. moment, I'm even thinking of hiring someone to go do that, just because <laughs> it's true. I just I don't get I don't get pleasure, and I I notice the triggers that occur from the platforms and my life is better when I don't have those. And when I don't have those, when I'm not living through them, I don't know how you feel. A lot of my personal, my content and things is published through social media. So I have to use it, but I balanced my time in terms of, I only check them about three or four times a day. So probably morning, lunchtime, and then evening. Uh, And that's, that's the same time I post as well. If I post something like a, a content, a share, a meme, an article, pre- pretty much get get on, post, get off, reply to some comments maybe, and then I'm off. So I don't spend too long on in like the scrolling uh, addiction. It's amazing how many of my clients, when they're just navigating their current leadership space, creating clarity, and they want to take greater action. It's like, okay, how much time are you spending on Instagram? How much time are you spending on LinkedIn? And it's not posting. It's not value-added content like what you, what you just said. It's scrolling and reading and going down this rabbit hole of I'm not, I can't believe this person got a thousand likes. Why don't I have a thousand likes? But you didn't just, you didn't post anything in a week. How could you even get a thousand likes? Uh, and so I guess if you can, if you can be active on these platforms and not have that type of negativity be associated with them, 
then that's that's where you want to be, right? You want to be say, how is this adding value? What's the ROI here? And I think too often individuals, right? They're they're not that intentional about their time, and so then it's it's not like every single second of your day needs to be spent doing something productive. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be spent mindful. <laughs> that. I love that you touched upon the intentional part. Because I think even for like social media platforms, use with intention. And that's the, the the thing that we don't have is what are we intentionally using social media for? Or what are we intentionally using our time for? Like you just, just touched upon them. Are you intending to be productive? <laughs> or are you just going to you know, scroll through your day and an hour or two hours go by and you're just wondering where did that get two hours ago? I had a great experience on a reality show. It was it was one of my must-dos before I get too old to be on one. And so I <laughs> ended up getting on a reality show and I was lived in a house for a week in California. And they take your phone away. They, mm-hmm. they, take, they take everything away. And for a week, it took me about four days to stop it. So for almost a week. I'd get up from a table and you know how like you get up from a table and you start walking away. And the first thing you do is pull out your phone and you open up an app or you like, you know, you go to the bathroom, kind of same thing. It took me a week to stop looking for my phone to pull it out of my pocket. And I was like, wow, that's, that's intense. And so anyone, Hey, if you want to break that habit, start leaving your phone in the other room, start putting mm-hmm. it on do not disturb because that is control. I don't know anything else in my life that has that level of control over me. There, there is nothing that I look for every single moment of the day. You wake up, what do you look for? You go to bed, what do you look for? You go to the restroom, what do you look for? That's, that's kind of scary, uh, at least to me personally, uh, when, I'm, when I'm trying to live a more present life. I agree with that, uh, which is why I, my phone is always just on silent and none of my notifications are on. The only notifications that is on is um, is when I get a message from my fiance or any emergency calls from my parents. Those are the only notifications. Even with my fiance's notifications isn't a, a buzz or a vibration or anything. It's just a, a pop-up just to say that she's messaged. But even then, you know, it would take me to be consciously look for that phone to check the message for that but it wouldn't go off as such. Other than that, the phone is, is you know, I wouldn't let it control my life. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good, I love that you said that. Uh, but going back to this idea of intentionality, mm. because are you consuming, right? Or are you connecting? Uh-huh. And just like the TV, like, so if we think about this, if we're just consuming content through our phones, we basically should just be sitting in front of the TV all day. And we don't, I don't think we, we label or define it that way. We don't like, and, and I think if we did, then we might start using our phones differently that, that are more in alignment with our goals. And, and I guess I think I'm harping on this so much is because, you know, I, I preach self-leadership and, you know, this acknowledgement and awareness of how you're spending your time and why you're spending your time. And so that's why I think I really love this conversation. Uh, so if you could, if, if you look at your life and say, where am I just consuming? And am I consuming for a purpose? Uh, and if the, if the answer is no, uh, and, I mean, a lot of times we consume for validation because we're bored, stimulation, and say, look, what is the purpose we're consuming for? And then how do we then replug in new behaviors and actions that best serve our goals? It's interesting because I was also going through the same phase at the moment where a lot of the personal development, um, you know, consumption of information on YouTube and TEDx and books, uh, audio books and stuff. I'm, I'm, there was a point where I was just constantly consuming, but then I was wondering if I actually learned anything because I wasn't implementing. I wasn't implementing or taking action on actually the things that I heard, read, or s- saw. So... There was, this, there was this question that I asked myself. If we are learning all these, are we actually learning if we don't actually implement it or take action on it? Yeah, so part of the, the doctorate was adult learning theory. And I, I can sum up 
an entire program on adult learning theory in, in one in one comment, and it relates to what you just said. Uh, and it's learning happens when it is applied, period. And, and it's like seventy percent of information is retained if is if if it is applied when in when it, when it comes in. And it was something like something silly, like fifteen or twenty percent is retained if if you don't apply it. And so. And it might even be more than that because these are old statistics. Uh, but to your point, like I would work with clients that come to me and they'd be in this research mode. And a lot of times we're in research mode you know, for whatever reason, interests or uh, passions. But usually a lot of times we're in research mode because we fear we don't think we're good enough to produce. And it's like, what is the cutoff point from research and consumption to creativity? And it's just like... I, I keep going to coaching too, because it's like, if you're not coaching, are you a coach? And a lot of times people that I work with are, you know, they, they're thinking about being entrepreneurs. Okay. So just go put something out there. Let's go. I I've learned more from, from developing businesses than I've learned from any book. I'll tell you that that's for sure. Uh, and so I'm, I'm right along there with you. Like, what is that point of, okay, I know enough now to create, and I'm at the point now with my business, by the way, where I, I do a lot of virtual events. I do like two or three or four months, and I've, I took the past month off a little bit. But what tends to happen is I get an idea for an event. I create the, the event. I create the image for the event. I create the page for the event. I post it. Hmm. And then about a week before the event, I listen to a few podcasts and read a few articles, and I create the content. And it's, you know, can we get to a point because I also, I trust my background, my expertise and stuff, but like, you know, it's not like totally out of the, not, not teaching architecture, right? I'm teaching the topics that I know about, but it's, you know, can we get to a point with whatever that you want to do in life where you have a solid foundation of expertise and you trust that expertise so much that you're able to put yourself out there and say yes to opportunities when they come up. And so, so you don't miss out. And, you know, for example, like I gave a free workshop once I gave a free workshop and it went really well. I left, I left the room. It's so when we could do things in person. And the, the chief, it was, it was the chief of this, this organization, walked by the room when I left and saw everyone being very excited and happy about the content. And so told like the assistant, you know, get this person, get this instructor now. And they called me. I was already walking along the streets of Chicago. They called me. I ran back into the offices and he says, I saw everyone's faces. I saw what everyone was talking about. What did you just do? And when we had a great discussion and he said, do you want to lead a leadership training for all of our directors? Before I've ever even done it. It's like the start of my business. And I was like, yeah, of course I can do that. <laughs> so then I went to the drawing board and I built the systems and I built the frameworks and I built the workshop and I did it. And again, can we get to that? Like, you, We need to be at that point right? As leader, as, as our own individuals to say yes to those opportunities when they show up. So when they do show up, they, they change our life. Or like you just mentioned as well, create your own um, opportunities. It's taking the action to create the opportunity. You know, when, when I always say, you know, opportunities land when hard work comes, comes, comes by or when work is applied. Like until you take action, nothing actually happens unless you set that intention to go. I'm going to make this happen, and then you know, you know, you call it. People say the law of attraction, or what you call it, but I just say set the intention and, and go and make it happen. Yeah, I I like to say along similar lines, serendipity is a combination of consistency and luck. And if you don't have consistency, then you're not going to, nothing's going to happen. And luck tends to not really matter because we're not prepared for it when it occurs. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. <laughs> so when you, you know, you, you touch upon coaching, what was your fascination with coaching yourself? Like I said, I, I had nothing at one point in my life. I had no idea who I was. I felt like I was laughed at when I would go talk to people. I, I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't feel attractive. I just did not feel like a, a person. I didn't feel like I, I should be who I, I didn't feel like I, I was really anyone. And, did you, and yeah. 
Sorry, did you root down into the cause of all of those emo negative emotions? Yeah, it, it was the dedicating my life to to that you know that specific one pursuit without care for any other for not for, without care for balance, mm. and it was again pushing people away, not caring about social relationships. I'm holding myself to a standard which didn't really make sense. Uh, judging other people prior because of that standard, judging myself because of that standard, and then when that went away, it was I needed to figure out how to how to re recreate myself, and that's where personal development came in. Coaching didn't come in yet, but personal development came up. Was there a point when um, in your childhood that you was you know, bullied or harassed or anything like that about you know your uh, I, had, I, had, I had a pretty good childhood, I'll tell you. Uh, okay. You know, it was this was this was self-imposed. Ah, okay. What that, drove your what, your self-imposement? You know, like where did that high achiever mentality come from? That's a good question. I'm not really sure. Like, where where did the desire to dedicate myself to something come from? Where did my ability, like, where did my actual ability to commit myself to something come from? Mm. I don't know. Right. Cause that, that's, that's actually unique. I've thought about this, I think, but there are, you probably know, and maybe you are this person, you are, you a high achiever. Do you know high achievers? And these are people that just say, this is what I'm going to do. And, and they do it. Like it's, it's just, it's, um, I don't, I don't know where that comes from, uh, but it, but it is a specific type of person. Uh, they, they tend to have a very good idea of time management. So mm -hmm. you probably are very good at being on time and very good of understanding how long tasks will take. Uh, they're they're very much self motivated, and and they tend to not like support or assistance from others. <laughs> they, uh, so yeah, you're 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 nodding. So yeah, I, I was I was a high achiever, and uh, I think you know lucky I was, uh, unlucky I was, but lucky I was because it got me mm -hmm. to this point. Uh, we, we are not procrastinators, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I'm nodding because uh, obviously I I I could see myself doing that previously where but a lot of my a lot of my drive or self-imposed achievement was probably because of not being good enough and this was come from uh, trying to get validation and approval from my mother and my father so i was constantly pushing myself to achieve and do something for myself so that was always been my driving factor previously which is when, you know, I, I got to the point where I did all the graduation stuff, which was what they wanted. Then, you know, if we're not doctor, lawyer, and accountant, the next best thing is, you know, working in a corporate international uh, organization, which I climbed up to and then got to the point where I was just physically and mentally burnt out. And I knew that wasn't the life that I wanted to, to have. And so once I, once I got there, I felt empty. And obviously got to the point where I was just physically, mentally burnt out and just questioning what life was about. And like yourself was asking, what is my life purpose? What am I here to do? What am I here to create? Why am I here in the, in the you know, why am I here in the world? And obviously that was, um, once I got past that, that, that wave <laughs> was more about finding out what am I here to create? What is it I want to do? Where did this all these emotions come from? And started coaching myself, obviously, like yourself. Yeah, a lot of times it does come from our parents. To like, it comes from our environment and how we were brought up. And I wish at some, I wish in, at some point in childhood, someone just sat us like sat us down. I think I feel like we both needed it, and just said, "Hey, you know that thing you're working towards." that that purpose that you think you you need to achieve well where do you think that came from and it's like like oh maybe it, it's from higher higher power thing like no 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 what do you think created the this purpose this emotion that you feel well, i don't know how, how do how are emotions created well guess what you created it and it's like okay so if i created this thing that i'm achieving for but i'm sacrificing myself to achieve it that doesn't make sense. Like if I created it, then I'm in control of it. I am in power over it. I am greater than it. I wish, I wish they taught us that. And I also wish, like you said, they taught us that, Hey, that person that you're trying to make happy. Cause you think if you make them happy, you're, you're significant. Well, 
again, same thing. Where does that emotion of val validation and significance come from? Oh, it comes from within. Oh, okay, I got this. That's great. Let's let's do some affirmations and let's let's talk about inner critic and, and imposter syndrome and let's talk about what you know what the importance of confidence is. Like this, these should be lessons. <laughs> like we, we we need some of these lessons for kids. Have you considered teaching kids about these? Yeah, one one of my my future aspirations is to is to create like a curriculum or pair up with a curriculum and and start spreading it through political advocacy and policy and such. I think there's a lot of evolution that's occurring right now in our educational system. There might be some opportunity for it later on, uh, but I don't want to dedicate myself to that right now. I hmm. I. Uh, my path has led me a different route and that's one-on-one -on -one coaching. It's working internally in organizations, help them with leadership development. It's helping others create a career that they love, like kind of what I struggled with. And then I think, you know, you build that platform enough, you build that brand enough, and then you can use that brand to do a lot of advo like advocacy and such. Oh yeah, of course. That was just one of those. Have you considered that in your mission path <laughs> in the future? Obviously not. Not right now, but you know, in the future, because it's, it's you know, I find a lot that we we have a lot in common. Yeah, um, is is you know, creating impact and making change in the for the next generation, and even you know, for me, it's like you know, I've got plans to create schools for countries like Kenya, but it wouldn't be, wouldn't be anytime soon. But it would be the point where, like you know, there would be a point in my journey where I will. It's nice to know that's going to happen. Like I, I feel that too. The the first company I founded was called Simplify Health, and it was supposed to be an umbrella company over a lot of different things, like the political advocacy, health, health food. Uh, and so it's interesting how like I'm still along that same values path, and it's going to happen because my whole goal is to make health easy for people, mm -hmm. in a way. And that's right now developing individuals to lead themselves so that they are healthy individuals. But in the future. Like kind of what my first initial mission was, was to create policy that makes it easier for people to be healthy, uh, mentally, physically, spiritually, however, you know, whatever that encompasses. So I feel, yeah. Yeah, I love that as well. That's awesome. Very, very aligned in terms of the, you know, creating inner leadership, because this is what this is about, really. It's about, you know, creating more inner leaders. Where would they first start if they were to start on this journey, would you say? So self-leadership, I've coined the, the three C's of self-leadership. So it's clarity, confidence, and control. And so if anyone is going to start anywhere when it comes to self-leadership, start with clarity. And that's two pillars. That's what do you truly care about? So what are your, what, what, what are your values, basically? Where do you derive meaning in your life? And I know that's a big thing to ask because there's a lot of different ways to find this out. There's future visioning exercises future mapping, working backwards from where you might want to go, uh, those, the values assessment, there's the goal setting. There's a lot of different things that you can do to figure out what your values are. Um, one of the main activities I'd recommend is to list out like your top five or 10 memories in your life. You're the happiest and start looking for consistent themes and similarities. You can do that also for memories that uh, were unhappy and look for the opposite, like what was, what was off in these, at these moments in my life. And then ask yourself, based on this information, based on the story of my life just now, based on the defining moments that I've had, that I've experienced, how would I define who I am? And then write out 20, 30 words, and then pick you know the top 10, top five, top three, and you have a good values list. And so now you have a filter for your future decisions that you're going to make as a leader. Do they align with those keywords, those values? Now that you've explored them, you've defined them, now you align them in your life. And so then the next part of clarity is those, it's actually goal setting. So these are my, these are my five-year goals. These are my four-year goals, three-year goals, and you work backwards. So this is my year goal. And then what are my 12-month goals? What are my weekly goals? And you should get that specific. You may not stay on track with them, but uh, if they align with your values and you can get at least a little specific in terms of what like the, like where your greatest return on investment is for, for reaching the, the things that you think you want to achieve, because achievement doesn't matter, just the fact that you're applying your goals matters, then you're on your way to becoming a self-leader. Ah, wow. Awesome. I know you could go deep in that, but 
Yeah, please, please pause that, rewind, listen to it about 30 times. Because uh, I, I said that kind of fast. I, uh, no, that's cool. I apologize for doing this for a bit. No, 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 absolutely fine. For those that, how do you manage your tension and, you know, the stress and things like that? If there's ever tension or stress, it's just pausing. Stress is a signal. It's a trigger. It's a warning bell. Like nothing's wrong with stress. It's just a feeling. It's an emotion. It's a signal. And so you should pay attention to it. And so when I feel tension, when I feel conflict, when I feel stress, I just pause and I say, what's going on? And like, what am I really concerned about? Is this something to actually be concerned about? Is this something to be concerned about? Okay. How does this impact my values and what my goals and such? Okay, great. What do I, what, what are, you know, three things that I can do right now. What is the one thing that I want to do right now towards that? Do I just need to take a break for a little bit? Will I sleep and wake up and this will all be gone? So it's like that level of awareness intervention um, is really important. I even would say awareness prevention before intervention. So awareness and what can I do to stop this and prevent what's going on? And then if that doesn't work, awareness and intervention, it tends to be important. And around all that, it's this concept of time. A lot of time, a, a, a lot of moments that we struggle we wait 24 hours we're not struggling anymore I, I i don't know how how many times i've been pissed about something and then like the next day because i finally got a hold of one of my friends i'd be on the phone and be like you wouldn't believe what happened and i'll say it and i'll be like but it was it was a lot worse than that no it wasn't <laughs> like i just i just was reacting emotionally to it and when i was able to dissociate give myself some time and re and revisit it I realized that it wasn't a big deal. Uh, <laughs> do that resonate at all? <laughs> oh yeah, I've definitely resonate a lot. You know, this is the the point of inner conflict where you just. I think the managing your own emotions is always, is always tricky, and especially for people who hasn't trained or learnt more about themselves or enough to know where the emotions come from. Obviously, for people like ourselves, um, you know, who's trained and coached ourselves for many years, we, we, we're on top of that. We have a process that we go through in our head, right? <laughs> but for those that, you know, haven't studied this and may struggle with um, mm -hmm. getting started or taking that pause. It's, it's an important, I mean, one of the greatest importances of, of hiring a coach, to be honest, it's... It's it's coaching doesn't mean that something's wrong with you, right? Michael Jordan, major athletes have coaches, actors have coaches, CEOs have coaches, but it's just because we we a lot of people don't have that training and they don't want to dedicate the hours upon hours of self study and the hours upon hours. Honestly, this is what I've done of writing down how I feel all the time, writing down the process that I was going through about how I feel writing down the things that I did because of how I felt like it was like, it was a thing. It was a, a thing that I had to study and learn. It would have been a lot faster if I had a coach. I did have a coach along the way at some point. Uh, there was a couple times, but it's, that's, it's just like getting a university degree in yourself. You're relearning how to process and regulate emotions. It's a lot easier when you have someone along the way with you. Uh, but it's also unlearning all the stuff that we've been taught exactly. by other people as well. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Like the definition yeah. of success. Mm -hmm. who, who gave us that? Huh. I don't know, but if you find out, I'm going to go have some words with him. <laughs> well, have a conversation. definition of success, I think when I first came across it, was all about the money, the big houses, the fast cars. That was, that was success. Like, I don't know if that resonates with most people in this. But in the Asian culture, we see this a lot, like in movies and films, where they would plaster these main characters uh, as success with big houses, you know, fast cars and all this stuff. So, you know, growing up, that's what I was watching. So therefore, my perception of success was, oh, fast cars, loads of money, big houses. And then when it came to myself, well, in, in working towards that was like, Okay, I got to the point where I had the fast cars and stuff like that, but I didn't feel any more successful than I thought it would have been. <laughs> Instead, I felt empty. Yeah, I want to know where, not only where did we get the definition of success, 
that fast cars, monies. I mean, right now it comes from social media, right? I mean, oh yeah, from like, now and, and family, like, social media a lot, family a little bit, friends uh, not so much, depending on who your friends are. But uh, a lot of times, social media. I want to know who sold us, not the definition of success, but the de but the definition that we would feel good when we met that definition of success. Like that's like. I get, I get it. You want a nice car? Cars are great, right? You want a nice house? I like houses, right? You, like, it's like you want a cool job? Awesome. But who, like, how did I learn that that would make me happy? That, that, that's, I don't understand that. Like where that came from. Perception? Social um, peer pressure, maybe? Or maybe just, um, you know, friends and family, I suppose. Those are the ones that influence your your perception before you define it for yourself. <laughs> and I, mean, I think having yeah. the choice to define it for ourselves in the first place. Yeah, I'm thinking back when I was a kid, you know, I don't, I never, I grew up pretty, I uh, didn't grow up in a, I grew up in like a, uh, didn't have a, didn't have a ton, you know, wasn't poor, wasn't rich. Didn't have cable or I didn't have a cell phone. I mean, that's like I think Facebook came out in my sophomore year of college or something in terms of social media and stuff. So when I was a kid, like I didn't think about like having the greatest, highest paying job or having I never had a car. So, uh, you know, having a car and uh, it's like, I mean, so that didn't come into play, but it sure did come into play when. I think the world shifted in 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 terms of globalizing communication and promoting a certain form of success. Mm. Uh, that's interesting to think about. Maybe that also plays a role in why I don't care about stuff at the moment, like the material possessions and stuff. Yeah, you know, when I think about my friends who are obsessed with just shoes, like cool, I sh shoes are cool. I can't imagine spending all of my income on them, but well, I if I was getting into shoes, I'd be investing in shoes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just so I could right. just to, just to flip. <laughs> yeah, good point. I wouldn't collect them; I would just flip them. <laughs> yeah, and, and back to this idea of where do your stories come from? So, what do you care the most about right now? And where do those stories come from? And track them down. I think we can. You can track them down. And see if you want to stay attached to those stories. Uh, I think we all have, like you said, we all have programming. We're all programs. We're just walking programs. It just, you know, how often have you consciously programmed yourself or deprogrammed yourself? What's on your uh, focus right now? In terms of growth? In your mission. Personally, my mission right now is to play a little bit more and have a little bit more fun. The The lockdown has really taken away like a lot of my normal walking around and my normal breaks in my day. And so just kind of getting up and, and getting out and enjoying life more. And uh, even traveling actually a little bit, which has been helpful. So that's in my personal mission at the moment, to be honest. Uh, and then really really analyzing um, where i find pleasure from my work uh, there's there's service-based businesses can go a couple different ways and so i'm taking a step back the next couple months to to write a new book which i'm excited about i finally found some motivation to do that uh, i found something i want to write about enough and that might also lead to a product uh, so so I'm going to take a break a little bit because I've been running full throttle for a while. Would you mind sharing what the book would be about? <laughs> yeah. So prior to, to this coaching business for the past five years, uh, before that I was a dating coach and relationships coach for five years. That was oh, my wow. side. Yeah, that, that, that was my side hustle. Awesome. And uh, it went really well. Like I built a pretty big brand and I wrote a book called The Essentials, which is like a pocketbook. And um, I wrote it because I, I learned from epiphanies. I learned from kind of like uh, fortune cookie words of wisdom, you know, affirmations, memes and stuff like that, where a whole book, it could have been, I understand why they write a 300 page book to really make one point, right? It's, it's reiteration. It solidifies in your brain. You start believing it and things like that. But there was a point where I'd read this whole book to learn and grow myself. 
and say, this is the one thing I learned from this book. And I want people not to have to read that whole book to get that one thing. And, and so I wrote this little pocketbook and, um, I've kind of been toying with the idea of what I want to write my next book on. And I just started writing, uh, not too long ago. And it's a list of like, right now it's a 13, but I'm going to change it. Different statements that I've basically lived my life by that all relate to personal stories that I've experienced, um, in terms of like how they developed. So the, one of the first ones is, you know, you are, you are the God of your purpose. You, you, you are greater than your purpose. And so that it's a whole story of what I experienced to create that belief within myself. And so that the book is going to be very much about living for yourself. I'm not sure what the title is going to be yet. Uh, but then there's a bunch of different concepts such as success, right? The concept of success and failure and things like that. Awesome. And if people were to find more about you, where can they go? Well, start a conversation with me on LinkedIn. I'm super active. The only social media platform that I still actually show up on. Uh, so Dr. Benjamin Ritter, I'm, I'm there. Connect with me. Send, say that you heard me on the show and I'd love to have a combo. Uh, you can also go to liveforyourselfconsulting.com to find out about events, coaching services, recent media, all that jazz. Awesome. I'll make sure to attach the links all below as well in the show notes. So thank you, Dr. Benjamin Ritter, for your time and your wisdom. And thank you so much for having me on. I, I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership. I hope you found this interview insightful and useful. Please remember to subscribe and review the podcast. And if you have found it useful, please feel free to send it and share it to your network as I will be very appreciative that it will spread and help out more people in the world. If you would like more information or the show notes and resources that I will be providing you, then please go to www.johnopoon.com, go to the blog and find the podcast section. Step up, show up and stay up. Take care.